Hello and welcome to a special episode of the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast. The idea of psychological safety has come to the fore over the past 18 months. With teams separated, there is a new leadership imperative to be inclusive and to foster a culture of respect and openness to break down the digital barriers that exist. With the return to the office looming, however, we must check in on key questions about psychological safety in the hybrid model. To go deeper on that very topic, I'm delighted today to be joined by Laura Delazana. Laura is an executive coach, instructor at Stanford University, an international speaker, and a thought leader in the space of psychological safety. I started off by asking Laura about the challenges of embedding psychological safety in a hybrid model. Psychological safety in the hybrid environment, there's no doubt about it. It is going to be and will continue to be challenging. Of course, in the hybrid environment where some people are at home, um, and distant and others are in the office and with each other, there's naturally going to be a feeling of being left out, of having a lack of access to information, uh, those sort of natural ways that knowledge is exchanged, real or perceived, um, will seem less frequent and um, sort of not being in the know will be a concern. Um, but even those subtle things like political awareness, sort of like knowing what's really going on, <laughs> um, what the tone is, those are those subtle cues will not be as accessible um, to those who are farther uh, who are, are far away um, compared to those who are having those spontaneous interactions and being able to read the micro expressions and nonverbal cues of each other. Um, just simply, you know, noticing the energy level of someone like is someone in a good mood or a bad mood of are they having um, are they under a lot of stress or are they on fire, you know, um, it's harder to read over slack. Um, the tone isn't there or on a, you know, small little screen where you meet with somebody um, over a conference call. So those subtle social cues get left out. And that's how we gain a lot of our social information and even have access to additional information and, um, and ability to kind of create that social currency and social capital of, you know, building that up. So leaders and teams will have to make a very intentional effort to bring those who are far in close because even if they do have the same amount of information, the perception that they're being left out will be there. So some intentional actions, um, you know, there's, there's no single one panacea, but doing lots of small ways to, um, to convey tone, connection, to build connection, which will then ultimately build trust and safety. So team check-ins, um, you know, continue doing what many teams are already doing, but be disciplined in them because some people will already have them and some people won't, like I already said. So team check-ins of just hearing a little bit about the, the personal lives, um, the emotional state. So I like to give a little bit of structure to these, um, especially for some teams where they may not naturally occur, 
but just taking a few minutes before, depending on the size of the team um, and asking maybe, you know, some fun ways to do it that teams do or asking for peaks and valleys of the last week or what's something sweet and what's something sour that happened in your life, whether it's professional or personal um, that at McKinsey, they will use something they call like the pie check-in P E I it's the, what's your physical state, your emotional state and your intellectual state. Those give a sort of structure. So it's less awkward and more comfortable and safer for people to share a little bit about what's going on under the cover, you know? Mm-hmm. It gives people an opportunity to do a temperature check with each other to kind of know what's going on with each other. Um, and that bu- builds not only familiarity, which familiarity breeds trust, but also critical information, like someone's having a really hard time right now at home. Um, and so they're being stressed, not because they're mad at you, but because they're having a hard time at home or someone's workload is like off the charts right now and um, they need help. You know, uh, another really important one that sometimes overlooked or at least not made explicit is revealing the way that decisions are being made. So when people feel um, at a distant, uh, when they are at a distant and feel at a distant, then they're going to have concerns that they don't know what's going on. So you want to make sure that the leaders are revealing how decisions are being made so that people don't wonder why. And they don't wonder, well, what's coming next? You know, everyone wants to have the inside scoop and you can't get the inside scoop when you don't have those small, subtle casual interactions or when you feel like you're not part of the meeting. Um, So you want to really increase leadership transparency, even to a greater extent when you have a hybrid team. Knowing how decisions are made help people accept them, and it also helps them trust that you know, they, they trust the way that decisions are being made. They think it's fair or they think it's sound. There um, was a, a casual survey, a pilot survey done by CultureAmp where they were looking at exit interviews in companies. And the greatest reason why employees were giving in their study that they uh, were exiting companies is because they didn't trust the decision-making, the judgments that were being made. So you really want to make that explicit. Of course, um, and one-on-ones are a great way to check in, to give people the inside scoop, to make them feel like they're in the know so that people can ask questions that they don't feel comfortable asking um, in front of the whole group where you can build those that sort of personal relationship and professional relationship where someone feels that they're supported, your direct reports feel that they're supported, that you have their back, that you are tracking them, that they're not just sort of untethered and, and lost in the abyss um, and not knowing, again, not knowing what's going on. Having the meeting in the meeting. So <laughs> a lot of times, um, the real meeting happens after the meeting when people say, okay, what's, 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 what, what just happened there? What did she mean by that? What did he mean by that? Um, where tensions are kind of pointed to and, and maybe even alliances are built and, and casual agreements or implicit agreements are made. And so you don't want that to happen because 
that also makes people feel unsafe and and they don't trust that what's being said is actually how things are. So making it a um, a team value, making it very explicit is we have the meeting in the meeting. If something needs to be said, then um, you know it's not it's not getting into public criticism, but it's getting into um, that there's a certain level of candor and acknowledgement of the elephant in the room of saying, wow, there's some tension around this. We need to talk about this some more, or I'm going to think about this um, and get back to you on it. It's having the meeting in the meeting and not letting that sort of gossip, invisible relationship forces take the helm, but instead being very explicit. And so you can do things like taking a candor break where people break out either on whether there's some people in the same room where they actually meet up with each other and talk, but also people who are in, in tuning in virtually that they, they talk with each other one-on-one or in small groups and say, all right, what, what needs to be said that isn't being said right now. And in small groups where it's safer, people talk to each other and they come up with a list and then share that out safety in numbers. Mm -hmm. So that can be a very effective way of getting, of getting those concerns voiced in a situation that otherwise may not feel completely safe or people just feel a little uncomfortable about doing. Right. And there does seem to be Laura kind of a, I suppose, an understanding amongst leaders of what psychological safety is and perhaps even, you know, understanding of its impact. But do you see there are any kind of misconceptions out there about psychological safety? Yeah, the biggest misconception I hear is that leaders think it's about being nice. Um, I was working as an executive coach to a senior leader in a in a high-tech company and he said okay i'm i'm coming along with you is one of our first means he said all right i'm with you i get it but on one condition don't make me soft and <laughs> i sort of laughed but i got it and i said I, <laughs> absolutely so this is not about being soft or nice it's not about job security it's not about shielding conflict or avoiding conflict that's the opposite of what breeds a sort of safety and trust in a team is knowing instead that um, we can have these hard discussions we can oppose each other i can oppose the leader from a team member um, we can talk about touchy subjects with a level of respect of empathy and a, and a intention to understand rather than just being understood um, with an intention that we are going to um, focus on improving rather than proving who's right, who's wrong. It's also, um, you know, I hear people say all the time, like, oh, yeah, I, I get it. Like, I understand it. I know what this feels like. I know what it feels like in a low psychologically safe team. Um, I see how it impacts our performance, but it's so hard to do. And that's absolutely right. So psychological safety is a simple concept that everyone gets, but it's not easy. 
it's not easy because we are wired to feel unsafe at an evolutionary level, at a neuroscience level. Um, we are wired to be more on guard, to um, be tracking constantly who's friend and foe. And, um, and with our negativity bias that was wired for survival back when we were facing life or death threats all the time. And it was the saber toothed tiger um, that was our threat. Instead of the email that comes into our inbox, we would go into fight, flight, freeze and react and better safe than sorry. Uh, so we bring that sort of primitive circuitry into the workplace. We are still at this very like unconscious level scanning for who's friend, who's foe. Don't get killed. Don't get killed. You know, and and yet we are working with, of course, complex problems, collaborative um, solutions that require collaboration and cooperation, not fight, flight, freeze, avoiding, um, you know, attacking um, rarely is how we reach success or solutions these days. So there's this misconception that if it's simple, it's going to be easy or that it should be easy, but it actually shouldn't be easy. This is, these are invisible forces that drive every relationship and it takes a lot of work, but the payoff is huge. Yeah, for sure. And actually on that note, what would you say is the best way for leaders to measure psychological safety in their teams? Yeah, the best way for leaders to measure psychological safety is to do the simplest thing that a lot of people don't do, which is ask. Ask your people, how safe do you feel? Now, you have to ask this, of course, in a way where they feel safe to give a candid, uh, truthful answer. So um, some ways to do that is in anonymous surveys. There are some great surveys out there. Um, Amy Edmondson has created empirically supported um, and derived survey on psychological safety. It's only seven questions um, that can be given as a sort of um, pulse, modified, given as a pulse survey, um, asked frequently, not just annually. Um, and so ask the questions like, I, how safe do you feel to uh, admit fallibility to if you say that you made a mistake? Uh, do you expect negative consequences to what degree? Um, subtle, implicit uh, retaliation or any sort of harm to come, any sort of negative consequence. Usually it's subtle. It's not so explicit as like you're getting fired. Although I have worked with a company that was a major pharmaceutical company and their HR said, we need psychological safety here because we've heard that on a certain team, their members are getting the private, uh, the sorry, the primary investigators getting fired because their experiment didn't go as expected. So there are extreme examples where it still happens. But the best way to assess it is to ask, to ask in an anonymous survey, to ask in your one-on-ones, to just inquire casually with questions that are revealing. Like, I noticed you didn't speak up in the meeting this morning. Uh, it seemed like you disagreed or you had something to say. I'm just wondering how comfortable is, did I read that right? And, and if that was right, then tell me about your experience. Um, were you feeling like you weren't going to be heard 
dismissed, um, talked over what was going on for you. That is extremely revealing of a team's level of psychological safety. And so ask as a team, make it a discussion, say, how could we increase our level of psychological safety? When are the moments when we as a team feel less? Is it when our projects are going really poorly? Is it when we are um, divvying up projects? Is there some sort of, is there some competition? Do we, how do we deal with conflict? Do we need to have some agreements about, about conflict and, and talk about it, um, how we can have more collaborative conflict and less competitive conflict? So making it a discussion, having actual team questions can be very powerful to get people talking about it, exploring it. When do I feel psychologically safe? When do I not feel so much? What do I do that decreases the psychological safety in the team? Let's let's get aware and become aware of that, increase our awareness. And in that, we're making it one, emphasizing it as a team value, and two, knowing where we are with it. Three, we're finding solutions on how to cultivate it. And the very act of bringing it into a conversation can go a long way to saying, all right, this is a touchy subject and we're going to talk about it. That in and of itself increases the psychological safety on a team. I want to thank Laura again for sharing her practical insights on how leaders can create psychological safety. For more of our thought leadership content on the topic, including our infographic on psychological safety for the future fit leader, please visit imi.ie. Until next time, take care.